Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. So before I jump into the word, could we take 30 more seconds? Maybe if you wouldn't mind, maybe you want to lift up a hand or two and just say, thank you for your presence, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We honor you in our hearts, and we honor you in this house today. Thank you for what you have already done. As we worship you, as we prayed, as we prophesied, Lord, as we ministered to one another, you're here, you're moving among, among us. And Jesus, we thank you that as we take a look at your word, Jesus, you're the living word, and you make your word come to life. And your word brings us to life. And so we pray that today by your spirit. Have your way in us and in our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Well, good morning again. Buenos dias. Isn't it just good to be in God's house together? Right? Come on, just turn to somebody and say, it's good to be in God's house with you. (laughs) It's not just good to be in God's house. It's good to be in God's house with you, right? We're together, together in his presence, together as a family, together as a body. And I just want to say howdy to those watching or listening to this uh, online Come to the house. We'd love to have you here with us. It's my privilege to share another message from God's wonderful word today. And as usual, uh, we always have an outline available for those of you that like to follow along with the message. It's printed there in the box uh, in the back as well as digitally available through your Bible app. So follow along uh, if you will. And today we're continuing. It's still 2021, right? (laughs) In some ways, it feels like 2021 has taken forever, and in some ways, it feels like 2021 started yesterday. How many of you feel like it's been forever already, 2021? How many of you feel like it started yesterday? (laughs) You know, and we've been on this uh, theme, Multiply, for this year, and our year-long theme verse is out of Acts chapter 6. How about we declare it together? Ready? One, two, three, go. Then the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. What happens when the word of God spreads? Multiplication, right? Disciples multiply. And our goal this year, and not only this year, but always, but we're very uh, much zeroing in on it this year, is to multiply the... Multiply the culture of Jesus through the words of Jesus. And we understand that for God's kingdom, his culture, his values to be established and spread throughout the earth, which is God's will, right? Do we all agree? God's kingdom is supposed to take over the earth. In fact, it will. All the kingdoms of the earth are becoming the kingdom of our God, right? But that's supposed to happen through us, right? Through his disciples, through Jesus' followers, and it happens when his word spreads. And so we've been reading word for word through the gospel of Mark, focusing in on Jesus' words, and we're going to continue that today. In fact, today we are to Mark chapter 10, and we have a goal of finishing all of the gospel of Mark before the end of the year. How many of you think we're going to make it? Well, about half of you think we're going to make it. We're trying, (laughs) y'all. We finally made it to Mark 10. And, you know, last Sunday, um, I had the privilege of being up here, mainly just being up here with Pastor Liz as she shared. But uh, God really gave her a revelation from Mark chapter 9 that the life of God, right, flows when we stick to Jesus and when we stick together, right? That's why it's so good to be together in God's house. And so this morning we're going to go now to Mark chapter 10 
I don't always, you know, this year, we haven't given every Sunday sermon uh, a sermon title. Sometimes yes, sometimes not. Uh, just because of the, the nature of how we're reading through the Gospel of Mark. Sometimes we just read through and, and when we're just finding out the truth. But today I gave it a title. Is that all right? Yes. Come on, the title of today's message, it's there on your outline, is Heart Matters. Heart Matters, right? I want you to turn to somebody and tell them, you're all turning to me. Turn to somebody besides me and tell them, just, just tell them. Your heart matters. Come on now, turn to somebody else. Come to, turn, turn to somebody else and tell them, come on, are we ready? No, no, but I want you to say it different. I want you to say, listen, I want you to say, your heart matters. Now, one more, turn to, turn to one more. It's plenty of people in the room. Turn to one more, and I want you to say it like this. Are you ready? Your heart matters. In fact, in fact, more than anything else about our life, our heart is what matters the most. The gospel of Jesus Christ, in its essence, is all about the heart. It's straight to the heart. And in contrast to religion, right? We know that religion is man-made. Religion is, is our attempt as human beings to try to define God and please God. And how many of us know as hard as we try, it ain't going to work. Man-made religion is from the outside trying to change what's on the inside, right? But the gospel changes us from the inside out, right? Now, granted, the results of the gospel in our heart will be visible on the outside. Come on, somebody. If it's real on the inside, it's going to change what's on the outside, okay? But the gospel goes to the heart. The gospel transforms us from the inside out. And chapter 10 of Mark reveals to us some very important things about God's heart and our heart. God's heart and our heart. How many of us want to learn today about God's heart? How many of us want to learn today about our heart? Whew. I bet your favorite verse in the Bible isn't the heart is wicked above all else. <laughs> but it is. That's why we need the gospel. <laughs> Don't follow that new age nonsense even preached in lots of churches about just follow your heart. If you follow your heart, you'll follow it all the way to the pit of hell. I tell you. The heart above all else is wicked. That's why we need the gospel. Because the gospel transforms our heart from the inside out. Amen? Who's ready for Mark 10? So as we read through Mark 10, today we're going to get, we're going to try to get all the way through verse 31, okay? We're going to find out seven realities about our heart and about God's heart. Are we ready? All right, let's go to Mark 10. We're going to start with verse 1. By the way, if you're tracing it, Matthew 19, Luke 16, and Luke 18. That's where Mark 10 is also found. On your mark. On your mark. <laughs> Get set, go. Getting up, he, Jesus. I really didn't plan that. That was fun. Okay. <laughs> Getting up, Jesus left there, as in Capernaum. That's where they were, right? And went to the region of Judea beyond and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered around him and accompanying him. And as was his custom, he once more began to teach them. Now, Pharisees came to Jesus to test him, intending to trick him into saying something wrong. Come on, somebody say, bad idea. Bad. Right? You cannot trick the truth into something false. But they tried many times, and they asked him, is it lawful? I just want you to think of how they're saying it if they're trying to trick him, okay? 
So, Jesus, is it lawful? Because they, they accused him of breaking the law, right? Is it lawful, according to Scripture, for a man to divorce his wife and send her away? And he replied to them. I love how he replied. Because they were the staunch followers of Moses, even though they really weren't. They just thought they were. His response was, what did Moses say? Right? Maybe he didn't do the hand on the hip thing, but what did Moses say? Since you know about all that, right? What, what did Moses command you? And they said, Moses allowed Amanda to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. But Jesus said to them, because you had hard hearts, that's why, because of the hardness of your hearts or your hardness of hearts. And other translations literally say, he made a concession because of your hard hearts. Yikes. Because of, I'm going to read it, as a concession to your hardness of hearts, your callousness and insensitivity towards your wives and the provision of God. He wrote you this precept. But, come on somebody say, but... From the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Uh-oh, somebody. God made them what? I feel like we ought to read that one more time. God made them male and female. Listen, and, and, and I, I say this with all gentleness and humility, there is a difference. God made a difference. It's part of his design. Male and female, man and woman. It's part of God's design. No matter how much the world wants to change God's design, it was his design, and it's, and it's good. And it's good. What he made is good. Okay? Let's keep on going. For this reason, for what reason? Because God made man and woman. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother to establish a home with his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So that they are no longer two, but are united as one flesh. Therefore, what God has united and joined together, man must not separate by divorce. By the way... If anybody's getting nervous that I'm about to preach a whole sermon about divorce, don't worry, I'm not. We're going to go beyond that, okay? But by the way, Jesus said this, okay? But we can see here, for those who argue that in the New Testament there's really not, uh, you know, this reality. Well, here, here we have the truth himself speaking, the definition of marriage, okay? This is the definition of marriage no matter how much the world has changed the definition of marriage, the definition of marriage is a covenant commitment between one man and one woman. Marriage was God's idea first. He's the one who came up with the idea of marriage, and we have no right, therefore, to change the definition of what he made. Okay? And again, I say that with, with respect. I say that with gentleness. But God's way is the right way, period. Okay? Also, the message is not about that today. But it is in the word. In the house, the disciples began questioning him again about this. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. Now again. You may be surprised at the truth that we're going to bring out of this because, listen, this goes way beyond divorce. What Jesus is teaching here, what Jesus is saying here goes so far. In fact, divorce, the divorce issue is just him responding to the Pharisees, but what he teaches through it goes straight to the heart, right? They were trying to get Jesus to trip up on a legal issue of the law of God. They were trying to get Jesus to get religious like them. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm go it goes to the heart. The gospel is about the heart. 
okay? So the first truth we learn about the heart today, number one is this, hard hearts miss out on God's best. Soft hearts experience God's best. Now listen, again, just, just open your heart and mind because the, our family is very diverse and with lots of different backgrounds and lots of different things we've gone through in life, right? This is not a word from me or from Jesus, by the way, to bash divorced people. But I do think we can all agree on something today. I hope so anyway. Can we all degree, uh, agree that divorce was not God's original intention? Yeah? It wasn't his original plan. It's not the best plan. Now, granted, I understand. I really do understand that at times divorce is necessary. I understand that there are reasons and there are situations that warrant that. But God did not originally intend for marriage to end in divorce. Can we agree on that? Okay? It's not God's best. Okay? Now, what Jesus says here goes way, way deeper than divorce only. And if you focus only on the divorce issue, you'll just get religious about it. Okay? Because Jesus doesn't even really, the, the first thing he says doesn't really, doesn't really exactly explain the divorce issue. The first thing he does is he explains that it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Okay, can we all agree that some things may not be the worst, but they're definitely not God's best, right? Again, think, yes, think divorce, but think beyond divorce. Can we agree that there are things in life, there are things in this world, there are things that we go through that may not be the worst, but they're surely not God's best plan, right? Right? Here's the deal. Sometimes God will concede an issue. He will. Leaving us to our own devices <laughs> because of our own stubbornness and hardness of heart. Again, get beyond divorce. Sometimes God will literally, because we're being stubborn, we're being hard-hearted, we're being tough towards him, right? We're not embracing his best, or for whatever reason, right, God will say, okay, I'll let you do that. Even though it's not the best, I'll let you do that, okay? Have you ever experienced that? Now, what happens is that this may not totally destroy us, right? I mean, I, hope, I, I believe everybody in the room is thinking about when this has happened to you somehow. I know I can. Some things aren't the worst, but they're not the best. Come on, let me say that again. I want you to hear this from God's heart to you today. Some things may not be the worst, and it's conceded to us, right? But it's not the best either. Have you ever experienced this in your life? Where you know that because of, again, rather you were far from God, lost, away, out of relationship with God, or even as walking with him, where because you've, been stubborn about something he just sort of lets you have it all right go ahead and it doesn't destroy you totally but it does cause you to miss out on what was best on his best for you i know this is sort of a right i mean this ought to be hurting all of us right okay just step on your own toe just just do it all right done all right now all of our toes hurt okay I know I've experienced this in my life. I know that there have been times in my life that I have not experienced what was best, God's best for me, because of my hardness of heart towards him and what he was saying. Come on, tell somebody, we need to be tender rather than tough. 
tender towards God. Now listen, it's okay to be tough towards people sometimes, right? I mean, some of us could get some thicker skin, okay? Some of us need to learn a lesson in toughness when it comes to offense, right? And being offended with one another. Some of us could really, really, really grow an extra layer of skin. But if we have tough hearts, to, if we have tough hearts towards God, we'll miss out on what's best. Because everything he has for us is good. Everything he has for us is the best. Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't just want to not be destroyed by things that aren't the worst. I want to live God's best. Anybody else want to be blessed with God's best? We have to have soft tender, sensitive hearts towards him and his words and his ways. When we do, we'll experience his best for us. Amen? Let's move on to the next part. People were bringing children to him so that he would touch and bless them, but the disciples reprimanded them and discouraged them from coming. But when Jesus saw this, he was... He was what? He wasn't just upset. <laughs> he wasn't just a little bit bothered. He was indignant. Show me an indignant face. It's more than mad. Listen, indignant is more than mad. Indignant is I'm mad and I'm right in being mad and there's nothing you can do to make me not be mad about it. I'm indignant. Anybody ever been indignant about something? I mean, this was inexcusable, what they did for Jesus, okay? It was inexcusable. He was indignant. And he said, I allow the children to come to me? Don't forbid them. Do not forbid them. For the kingdom of God belongs such as these. These that you're rejecting, the kingdom of God belongs to people like them. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, I mean, he said it solemnly. Come on, show me solemn. Whoever does not receive and welcome the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. And he took the children one by one in his arms and blessed them with kind, encouraging words, placing his hands on them. Number two, the second heart matter. Come on, we learned that hard hearts make us miss out on God's best. Let's learn a little bit about his heart. Number two, it angers Jesus when people misrepresent his heart. <clears throat> Especially his disciples. You say, Jesus can love me and also be angry with me? Absolutely. I know he's been upset with me sometimes. Don't look at me like I'm the only one. It angers Jesus. Not anger to the point of rejecting us, but it'll make him angry enough to teach us something pretty solemn, pretty serious. It angers God when his people misrepresent his heart. This is serious business. What, what do you mean? Children, according to the word of God, okay, this is not just me and my feelings. According to the word of God, children, the poor, the weak, and the defenseless are very close to God's heart. Here's a question. How close are they to mine? Because if I am to properly represent his heart to the world, I need to have in my heart what's in his heart. Maybe we ought to keep on moving. All right. You know what else is serious business? You know what else is serious business? Childlikeness. I mean, when he told them this thing about being like a child, it says he said it solemnly. This was serious 
business. This was something they had to understand. They had to get it. And we have to get it, y'all. Childlikeness is a must. He didn't, I didn't say childishness. Childlikeness. To be like a child means you're no longer a child, but in some ways you're still like one. Childishness means you're no longer a child, but you act like one. Right? Whoo. And I, I, I found childishness in my life sometimes. How about you? You ever done something or said something or, and you went, what am I, 12? Like, but child childlikeness to be no longer a child, but in the good way to be like one is an absolute must to enter the kingdom of God? Whoa. So what is a childlike heart? Number three, this is the third heart matter. A childlike heart has no reservations towards God. Like children have no, especially when they're small, and they've never been through stuff, right? They have no reservations in their heart towards their parents. It's absolute trust and total abandon in his arms, right? See, this is, this is what Jesus did. To, 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 he didn't just say it, then he showed them. Come on, are you seeing this? He said, you need to be like a child. Here's what it looks like. Then he called them, and it says one by one, he took them in his arms, and he spoke kind words to them and put his hand on them. And I don't read about any of them that said no, or no, Jesus, right? Or I don't know if I want to get that close. No, I don't want you to go there, Jesus. They had no fear of him hurting them. They had no fear of being mistreated by him. But rather you admit it or not, some of us sometimes have uh, thought that God was mistreating us or were afraid of it anyway. Maybe he doesn't even really like me. Right? But see, a childlike heart is someone who has absolute trust and just says, Jesus, I just totally, completely trust you. Whatever you say, whatever you want to do, I let you just take me in your arms and do with me whatever you want and say whatever you want. This is how we have to come to God and how we stay if we want to stay with God. Another way to say it is we surrender all to gain Him, right? A childlike heart has no reservations towards God. Let's keep reading. As he was leaving on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, you who are essentially good and morally perfect, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That is eternal salvation in the Messiah's kingdom. And Jesus said, Why are you calling me good? Right? Where are we going? I hope it's to Jesus. <laughs> that might have been prophetic. All right. Change your route. Come on, somebody. Who you want to preach? Come on. Are you ready? <laughs> How many, how many of you have ever had that happen to you? <laughs> oh, we love you. <laughs> Jesus said, why are you calling me good? No one is essentially good by nature except God alone. Are you calling me God? Actually, that is what he was doing. He was recognizing him as the Messiah, and Jesus was just sort of qualifying that. You, you, God's the only one who's good, and you're calling me good. And this guy knew it. He knew what he was saying. Okay. Are you calling me God? 
No one is good by nature except God alone. You know. So he's talking to someone who knew it. He knew. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not testify falsely. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he replied to him, teacher, I've carefully kept all these commandments, right? Since my youth. And looking at him, Jesus felt a love, high regard and compassion for him. And he said to him, you lack one thing. You're so good, dude. But you lack one thing. And what he's about to say is the one thing that makes us or breaks us. You lack one thing. You're a really good person. Come on, I'm looking at some really good people in the crowd today. He said, you're a really good person, but you lack one thing. Go and sell all your property. Give the money to the poor, and you'll have abundant treasure in heaven. Even then, he didn't tell them to give everything up. He promised them a reward. <laughs> and then he says, and come, follow me. Becoming my disciple, believing and trusting in me, walking the same path of life that I walk. But the man was, what? Saddened. Look, he wanted Jesus. Like, he wanted to be with Jesus. He did. He obviously believed in Jesus. But it says he was saddened at Jesus' words and left Grieving. It doesn't, you know, other people left Jesus mad. <laughs> other people left Jesus just sort of going along their merry way. But it said that this man was saddened, and when he left Jesus, he went away grieving like he had lost something. He just lost everything, actually. Because he owned much property and had many possessions, which he treasured more than his relationship with God. You guys, Jesus may not call you to go home today and sell everything you have and give all your money to the poor. But I'll tell you, he does call every one of us to give up absolutely everything we are, our entire lives, whatever he asks for, and follow him. Okay? And for different folks, there's different strokes, right? For different people, did Jesus ask, there, there, there's, a, there's only one way, and it's Jesus. And there's only one path, and it's the narrow path. But along that path, different ones of us will be asked for different things. You know, at the end of the, of the I believe it's the end of John, where uh, you know, Jesus tells Peter basically that he's going to die as a martyr. And, and Peter turned to John and was like, well, what about him? Jesus? And Jesus is like, what's it to you what I do with him? You don't know what I'm going to ask him for. John ended up being boiled in hot oil. Okay? And being exiled to an island. Okay? For preaching the gospel. And Jesus is like, what, what's it to you? What, what, what do you care what I ask John to do? You follow me. You do what I ask you. You give me what I ask you to give me. And for every disciple, he asks us for everything. It just looks different in different people's lives. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who are wealthy and cling to possessions and status as security to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed and bewildered by his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is for those who place their hope and confidence in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man who places his faith in wealth and status to enter the kingdom of God. They were completely and utterly astonished. Like you don't, you don't read that very much. That only happens a couple of times. And in this situation, they were just, what did he say? And said to him, then who can be saved 
from the wrath of God. Looking at them, Jesus said, with people, as far as it depends on them, it's impossible. <laughs> but with God, all things are possible, right? All things are possible with God. Now, maybe you're surprised. Maybe you're like me. I used to be surprised why they were so surprised. To me, it's like, well, it makes sense. But you have to understand, in Jewish culture, riches, it was a common belief that riches were the evidence of God's blessing and approval and favor on somebody's life. And so they were saying, if someone who's already blessed can't get to heaven, how in the world can anybody else? Get it? Because according to them, money and possessions and riches and status were a sign that God loved them and approved of them. And God does love rich people. And he does approve of anyone who will give everything to follow him. Unfortunately, this guy, at least at this moment, was sad. And he left grieving. And he didn't follow Jesus. I, 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 I hope that after Jesus went to the cross and stuff, he changed his mind. But we don't know. We don't know. We just know in the moment. And this is, this is very important to understand. This guy was good. He was a good guy, right? Like a lot of us, he was a good guy, but good is not good enough. Good, being good, even being religious is not good enough. Because no matter how good we are, we're not good. He was right. Only God is totally good. And if I'm not totally good, I'm not good. If I'm not totally alive, if I'm a little bit dead, I'm dead. If I'm only a little bit ugly, well, then I'm not handsome. Turn to somebody and say, you ugly. I'm sorry, I'm kidding, but actually do turn to somebody and say, come on, no, this is for real. Turn to somebody and say, you're bad. And I don't mean the cool kind of bad, like, I'm bad. No, 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 no. Come on, no, not Michael Jackson bad. No, no, no. Listen, we started with this, and here we go again. The word of God says that our heart above all things is bad. It's wicked. It's evil. So no matter how good we do on the outside, how many of us can be honest and say, I've done some bad things too? So good, our good is not actually good. Only God is good. So good is not enough. Only surrender will suffice. Only surrender. Number four, our good works are not impressive to God. But a good heart is. My good works and your good works aren't impressive to God. I'm not saying he doesn't like them. But he's not impressed by it because he's way gooder. Right? Like, listen, if you're Celine Dion and you hear me, then I can sing okay. Like, I'm not good. <laughs> Hello? Hello. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, 
We can be good. As, I mean, we can even have everybody on the outside fooled how good we are. And listen, some of you guys are really good. Like, others of us, we haven't been so good. But when it is compared to actual goodness, godliness, all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. We all need the mercy and the grace of God because he's good. And our good works will never impress him, but a good heart surely can impress the Lord. You say, what do you mean? David impressed God. He did. I mean, David wasn't perfect. In fact, in one point of his life, he wasn't very good. <laughs> but God continually is impressed by David's heart is like, like mine. It's after me. Right? Good works don't impress God, but a good heart does. So what is a good heart? That was number four. What, but what is a good heart? A good heart hold nothing, holds nothing back from God. Number five. A good heart values God himself over everything else. Even his blessings. I mean, honestly, I think that was King David's secret. Read the Psalms. Read his prayers and his songs. King David was very rich and very powerful. But he valued God himself more than anything else. And that's why God was so impressed with his heart. A heart that no matter what I have, I hold nothing back. It's all yours, God. And I value my relationship with you more than anything else. So whatever you ask me for, I'm going to give it to you. Good hearts impress God. Let's finish up. Peter started saying to him, as Peter tended to do, look, we've given up everything to follow you. Jesus, what about us? Becoming your disciples and accepting you as teacher and Lord. And Jesus said, <laughs> Jesus could have said, if I would have been Jesus, I would have been like, Peter, shut up. Like, <laughs> just stop. You and your big mouth always having to try to, you always got something to say. Like, callate. <sighs> like, enough. I'm glad I'm not Jesus. <laughs> Thanks, babe. All right. <laughs> Trying to be like him, you know. You know, Jesus was like, I'm sure that going through Jesus' mind was like, are you done? Like, okay, you've given up everything. You haven't even seen the cross yet, so you don't even know what you're talking about. But all right, you've given up everything. All right. But look how kind and, and loving and compassionate and patient and gentle he is. And Jesus said, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, there's no one who's given up a house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms. The list goes on and on. What have you given up? What have I given up? What have I let go of to follow him? For my sake and for the gospel's sake, who will not receive a hundred times as much? Now in this present age. Did you know he wants to bless you now, not just in heaven? Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms. I prophesy you're going to have a hundred children. But you see what he's saying? Like, look, I'm going to bless you. Along with persecutions, by the way. Like, it ain't going to be easy, baby. <laughs> but you're going to be blessed. You're going to be rewarded. But it's not going to be easy. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be, it, sometimes it's going to be hard. If, it, if you have been told that following Jesus is easy, you have been lied to. 
Because following Jesus will eventually, sooner than later, cause you to have to go against the grain. And that's not easy. But you will be rewarded for it. And in the age to come, eternal life. And then there's this final phrase that for years I read it and I was like, Jesus, I have no idea what you're talking about. But now I get it. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Huh? <laughs> okay, we'll get there. Number six. This one's simple. God rewards a surrendered heart. He does. God rewards a surrendered heart. What we give up. Y'all with me? What we give up to follow Jesus pales in comparison to what we receive. If you've walked with Jesus long enough, you'll look back like the Apostle Paul and said, his words, not mine, compared to knowing Christ, all of that could be considered dung. <laughs> That's what he said. Compared to knowing Christ, everything that I let go of, everything that I had to change, every relationship, every alliance that had to be broken, every habit that I had to give up or change, every dream that I had to surrender, my own agenda that I had to lay down, compared to knowing him, all of that is nothing. It's nothing. Jesus is worth it all. We just have to listen. We just have to trust that he will reward us in the right way at the right time. And then the final phrase, many, he says the first will be last and the last will be first. Many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. In you know, remember the New Testament is in Greek. This is like, a, like an idiom, okay? Literally meaning this, okay? Those who seem really important might not really be all that important. And those who seem insignificant to you are actually really important. What Jesus was saying is that only God sees the heart with which we serve him. People may look right now like they're big hot shots, super important, but we don't know their heart. When they get to heaven, we might be surprised that they're on the back row. Not that God loves them any less, but we will be rewarded according to what we really do and what's really in our heart when we do it. We may be surprised when we get to heaven to see people we thought would be God's number one, you know, the biggest crown. And just out there with everybody else with a medium crown <laughs> and we may also be surprised when we get to heaven to go that what that person did didn't seem to be wow and there they are with the biggest shiniest crown of all because many who right now might seem to be really really important in heaven might not be and many who might not seem to be important in heaven might be because of their heart. It's a heart matter. Number seven, only God sees 
what's really in our heart. Only God. You know, I just, not just right now, ever since our worship time, can just really sense the... (laughs) the the presence of God's mercy and grace and when God's presence shows up a lot of times it's in different ways right sometimes it's like a wind that refreshes us or a rain like fire you know his holiness his majesty whoo his joy all of that we got a little bit of that some of that joy and victory and worship but even as I prayed this morning I just sensed like the Holy Spirit just hovering and moving, moving over us, his people with mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. He wants to do in your life what you can't do. <laughs> he wants to empower you for what you, you can't do on your own. He wants to, listen, I feel this. He wants to open the, the cage for some of us and just let us out today. He wants to spring that trap your foot's been caught in it's his mercy it's his mercy like if I could tell you what I see in the spirit it's like a shower of rain but the drops are mercy and grace I think we even used to sing a song his mercy is falling is falling right I just I see that over our lives in the spirit today and here's the question What's going on in your heart? Come on, as we move into the end of the service, I want to ask for total reverence for God's presence. For the next few minutes, if you wouldn't mind, if at all possible, let's not get up and down, go in and out. In fact, I'm just going to have the worship team go ahead and come on so that we finish all our moving around real quick. What's going on in your heart? We just reverence your presence, God. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. We don't deserve, but you're good. (laughs) Well, maybe you just need to say it. I don't deserve your mercy and grace, but you are good. You're so good. Your faithful love endures. You're faithful even when I'm not. Your mercy endures. Your loving kindness is better than life itself. Your love, O oh Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches all the way above the sky. We receive your mercy and your grace today. What's going on in your heart? Let's let's be honest. Let's be honest today. Hard or soft? Tender or tough? Are you holding out on God? Or are you surrendered and abandoned to God like a child? Here's the good news. If your heart's been hard and tough, the Holy Spirit can change it. Listen, if you're sitting here today and if you've been going, yep, you know what, my heart has been hard, it's been tough, I haven't been like a child. All it takes is repentance. All it takes is to turn your heart towards God. The Holy Spirit. This is the wonderful good news of the gospel. He turns hard hearts soft. He can take our heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh if we'll just turn to Him. If you've been hearing the voice of God but ignoring it to the point where you can't hear him anymore. 
Today, if you'll turn your heart and your ear back to him, you'll hear him. He specializes in softening hard hearts. And before I even move on, I just, I just sense the Holy Spirit doing that right now. Maybe you need that. Maybe you need to cry out to him and say, God, soften my heart. Change my heart. My heart has been hard. My heart has been tough. I've been holding out on you, God. But right now, I just turn. I, I surrender. I give it up. I give it up. I give it up to you, Lord. Surrender all to you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, change my heart. Holy Spirit, transform my heart today. I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying this as well. Are you trying to impress God with your good performance? Or are you impressing God with a good heart? Are you trying to impress God with your good works and your good performance? Or are you impressing God with a good heart that's totally towards Him and surrendered to Him? soft towards him I feel like God is saying do you value me and your relationship with me above everybody and everything else or does someone or something else occupy that spot am I number one above all am I the object of your affection and your devotion or does that belong to somebody or something else? Be honest. We're in the presence of Jesus today. And his message is good news. Even if all of our answers to these questions are wrong ones. My heart is hard and tough. I've put other things and other people before you. I've not been like a child. If we'll just turn to him that's what it means to repent it will just turn away from that and we'll turn to him that's the good news oh he'll change it all if we'll turn to him sincerely have you totally surrendered all to Jesus surrender to Jesus today you know I don't know what else to do but just open the altar if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and you want today to repent of your sin and be born again, you know, if you cry out to Jesus, if you call on the name of the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. He'll forgive you. He'll forgive you. He'll wash you clean. He'll give you a new life. He said it's like being born again you'll get a brand new life come on i'm just going to begin to make many invitations you can respond there in your seat but i just sense the holy spirit drawing us drawing us to his presence to his anointing today if as i'm making these invitations to pray if you want to just respond to him by coming to the altar just begin to come maybe you want to get on your face you want to get on your knees whatever you need to do if you need to surrender your life to jesus and be born again or listen maybe you've given your life to jesus before but you've been backslidden you've been far away from god maybe you felt like you've you you've maybe you used to be following him but you've sort of stepped away from him or gotten gotten far away from God and today you're like I'm coming back again I'm coming home in your heart come turn run to Jesus and it might help to run on up here to the altar as well come to Jesus he'll change everything Ven a Cristo. Él cambiará todo. And I feel this so strong. Just before we go into 
a time of just worship and waiting and seeking the Lord, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, it's time for personal revival. A great outpouring of the Holy Spirit is upon the earth. A great outpouring of the Holy Spirit is upon the earth. But listen, he wants that there, there are revivals breaking out all across the earth. And he wants to bring that revival to us. But it starts with personal revival. It starts with personally turning our hearts back towards him. It starts with allowing him to tenderize and sensitize our hearts to him again. If you need to respond in your heart today, if you need God to revive you, to refresh you in a personal way, maybe you could just begin to come to the altar. I want to invite, maybe we want to stand to our feet. Let's all stand to our feet. And maybe you want to get on your knees in the aisle or here in the altar. Just get in whatever position you need to get in to seek His presence. Let Him tenderize your heart. Oh, come to Him. We come to you like children today. We're not afraid of you. We trust you. We trust whatever you say. We stop. We, we lay down our good works in our performance and trying to impress you. God, we want hearts that impress you. We want hearts that value you and love you more than anything and anybody. Hearts that truly treasure you above all, Jesus. Oh God, you are everything. Oh Lord, come on, let's seek him. Let's seek him as we worship. You can come to the altar. You can get into the aisle. You can do whatever you need to do. But let's just run to him today and seek his holy face. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.